What do you call a sim that turns their nightlight down? A dim sim. <laughs> G'day everybody and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 223 are open. This week on the show, I'm going to be looking at our first detailed look at Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. My Pokemon... Oh, not my Pokemon. My Mario Strikers Battle League impressions. I wish I had uh, bloody Pokemon impressions. That'd be good. And what to expect at Summer Games Fest 2022. And to talk all about that is myself. It's another solo episode with me. And uh, yeah, it's... um. <laughs> It's been a tough year at the House of Mario. I think 2022 has been our toughest year yet, just of uh, sticking to our schedule and getting things up there. I'm sure, you know, avid listeners of the show might might have noticed that by now. We do apologise for that, but rolling on forward, there might be a few more solo episodes. Bryce and I, we were scheduled to do an episode, but um, his son decided to hurt his foot. So that kind of threw our recording schedule into chaos. But nevertheless, here we are. And uh, talk about all things Nintendo. Re- really looking forward to it. I've got a, I've got a mother energy drink here. You yeah, look, <laughs> got a baby boy now. Energy drinks, caffeine. It's my best friend until it uh, gives me a heart attack or something. You never know. I hope that doesn't happen. I don't want to jinx myself here on the show. But if it does happen, you know what happened. <laughs> but sort of with all this sort of chaos going on with our recording schedule. Bryce and I, we actually missed our fifth year anniversary, our uh, fifth, five years of doing the House of Mario together, having the podcast up on podcast services and all that type of stuff. And I guess five years, man, that's been it's a decent amount of time. It's half a decade. And while I don't really have anything to celebrate it right now, I think it's been an absolutely awesome, awesome thing for us. I've really, really loved doing the show over the five years. It's given me a lot of, I don't know. In some ways in my life, I feel like I lack lack purpose as far as, you know, as far as like work and career and things like that go. And I think this podcast has really helped with that. It's given me a, given me something like I can really put my name to and say, like, this is mine. This, I'm proud of it. And I really enjoy doing it. And there might be even a couple of people out there who are listening to this right now who enjoy it as well. And I got to say, guys, I appreciate that more than I can even put into words so thank you very much, especially if listening to a show that says a solo episode with Drew. I really do appreciate it. Like, Jesus Christ, I can't put emphasis on that enough. But from our first year in 2017, it was a big year for me personally. Just, you know, it was my first year I moved out with my with my girlfriend. So first, first year of living out of my parents' house and starting the podcast. And it was a big year for gaming just with Switch and all of Nintendo games and even PlayStation had a massive year as well, which I very much enjoyed over on the PlayStation 4. And there's a lot of stuff going on in 2017. And I think very fondly back to that year. And ever since we've been trucking along with the podcast and really, really enjoying it. Very much so. So, yes, five years. We'll be celebrating, I don't know, episode 250 whenever that happens. We can't really uh, look at it and be like, it's going to happen in this amount of weeks. Because who knows with our sort of recording schedule. But... Nevertheless, five-year anniversary of the House of Mario. Pat on the back for us, I guess. Congratulations. <laughs> but uh, another sort of thing I want to bring up, just uh, 
just to say thank you very much. Thank you to whole country. <laughs> Ecuador, thank you very much. I don't know. I checked Chartable, um, which basically shows your rank on multiple Apple podcast charts throughout the world. And we've charted at number two for video games in Ecuador, number five in leisure. So leisure is the category that uh, video games resides in. So there's that's a big category. So number five in that. And then all podcasts are at 246. That's pretty cool. I'm I'm a little bit confused. I don't know what exactly that means. <laughs> Whether we had like one person download us over there and it I don't know. <laughs> but thank you very much. And it's pretty cool because like number two, um, the top three podcasts for video games in Ecuador, number one is Nintendo Power Podcast. That is the official Nintendo podcast. So if you want to listen to thoughts from Nintendo employees that can't say anything bad about Nintendo whatsoever, you can listen to that show. Then no, number two is The House of Mario. And number three is actually non, the, the, the Nontendo podcast, which is uh, set up by uh, Wood and Bob, very you know well-known YouTubers, especially in the Nintendo space. So that's pretty cool as well. Like Those guys are you know brand new, but... Uh, I dare say they would have uh, crushed us um, a thousand percent by now. <laughs> but regardless, it's a, a cool little tidbit to put in there. So thank you very much. Of course, you can help us in your country by putting an Apple podcast review or even a Spotify review these days. I actually don't keep track of the Spotify reviews, but I'm sure it will help us on that platform. Spotify is very important. So please go and leave us a review, five stars. If you want to be smart like the bloody bastard who just said we don't talk about Sonic enough and leave us a four-star review, uh, you, you, you can put that one in the bin. You really can. Disgusting. Chuck it out. No good. But yeah, five stars. That'd be fantastic. And of course, leave us what you think about the show and uh, it'd be good. Feedback is awesome. Yes. And uh, a bit of housekeeping. I've got something very, very exciting for myself to announce. Um, Basically, the House of Mario will be starting our own book club, our monthly book club, which which is actually a game book club. Oh, no, it's kind of weird because a book club is like such like a well-known thing but the term sort of goes hey let's do a, a book club about something that's not a book so it's just a game club it doesn't have an official name yet but we will be sort of kicking it off in june and it will be at the end of june it will go live on the 30th of june which will be a thursday on the uh, encore at the house of mario feed which is its own separate feed it'll be involving our discord community which is very exciting because i absolutely love everybody in there um, you know, it's a very small community, but I kind of like it like that. A lot of discords I go into, I just can't keep up with like, uh, you know, a few big podcasts. I like, I think it was like game explain. I'm like, oh, cool. I'll go into the game explain. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know anyone just text is going everywhere, but, uh, I feel like our community, it's nice and small, tight knit. So everyone's welcome. There's a link in the show notes below. If you would like to come into our discord community, you're more than welcome. The doors are always open to that. And uh, we will be recording that episode on the 29th of June, 8 a.m. Australian Central Standard Time. And I'm going to set basically the recording time uh, the day before the episode goes live each month. And I am setting that time so people can come to the Discord. They can say, I'd like to jump on and talk about said game. Um, And uh, you can even put in sort of your input just with... Uh, text, whether it's on Twitter or the Discord itself, and you can be in the show that way if you don't actually want to you know, use your voice and sit around for 40 minutes or an hour, however long it t- takes to talk about the game that month. So there's multiple ways to be involved. 
And of course, now with a baby and I've just got to set a time. That is the time I'm doing it. And whether I'm recording by myself like I am now or I'm joined by one, two or eight people, <laughs> maybe not eight people, that might get a bit, get a little bit hectic, but I am looking forward to doing that. It's going to be a lot of fun. So end of June, House of Mario Game Club will be commencing and the first game will be the original Kid Icarus on the Nintendo Entertainment System which is available on your Nintendo Switch Online subscription there's also a Nintendo 3D Classics uh, sort of version on the 3DS which is absolutely gorgeous that's where I actually first played the game on 3DS when uh, that service came out I think that one actually I feel like I got that for free I feel like they, they gave them away for free for a little bit a couple of those ones including Kirby I think Kirby and Kid Icarus the 3D versions were given away for free and the 3D effect was amazing. It looked awesome just how like your characters popped out from the background and there's like even things in the middle where you can go behind them and in front of them. It looks really good, especially just making an NES game uh, 3D. It's absolutely fantastic. But I feel like if you guys want to be a part of this and you haven't played Kid Icarus before, especially the original one, you're going to want to play it on Nintendo Switch Online with those save states. The rewind feature is a must. This is a hard game. So definitely, definitely utilize those. And there is a special version on the Nintendo Switch Online too, which actually starts you on the lead up to the very final boss with all the upgrades and you beat the final boss and then you can actually do a new game plus where you got all, all, all the upgrades and you can progress the game through there if you want to make it a little bit easier. You got a lot more health, your weapons are upgraded, you got all the items, you got <laughs> it's a lot easier than starting off with basically no health. So yes. So yep, House of Mario Book Club game club, whatever you want to call it, coming up with a name. I'm sort of thinking, I want to call it something to do with like Rosalina's uh, um, observatory in like Mario Galaxy, like the library, like, you know, that's a part of the house of Mario where we go. We go to the library, but I don't really know. So if you guys got any ideas of what to call this game club, you know, with a house of Mario spin on it, whether it's just uh, like a room of a house or something, I've been sort of looking around, but I'm not going to sort of put off the club just to come up with a name. So, yes, check that out. House of Mario Encore or Encore at the House of Mario. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just another plug for the House of Mario Encore as well. Go and check it out on podcast services. That's where we do a lot, lot more sort of solo stuff. That's where we have guests on and also review discussions and whatnot. A lot of these episodes do come to uh, this feed that you're listening to on now, the original House of Mario uh, podcast uh, feed. But um, especially when it comes to guests, I want to just highlight guests as much as possible. But that is where we're going to be a lot more creative with the topics and sort of uh, formatting and all that. I want this feed just to be very much, you know what you're getting, you're getting game impressions, you're getting news, you're getting very much current up-to-date stuff. Whereas on that, we can just sort of do what we like and not fill up your feed too much if you choose not to subscribe to it. But I definitely would appreciate it um, if you did. Yeah. Okay, and uh, next, we got the Guru Geek Out. And Guru Geek Out, it's uh, inspired by my late friend, Bobby Paul's Nintendo Guru, absolute legend. And I want to give a shout out to two very special, special people. Um, Andros, who hosts Nintendo Powers, they recently ce celebrated their second year anniversary. And I've just actually, I've been doing a bit of housework this morning and I've been listening to their 92nd episode. And... <laughs> they're very creative with uh, sort of how they do things over there. They they decided to like to celebrate. They decided to paint each other while podcasting. And at first I'm like, oh, well, 
if I'm listening to this audio, how does that work? I can't see a painting, but it worked out well. And just like with all the questions and stuff they were answering, um, just just a, a great show, Nintendo Powers. And I think I've listened to Andros on a couple of other shows where the gamer cast from Sean Capri included. And I feel like I can just really relate to Andros. You know, he hosts this show and he's just got a driving passion. He He feels like I do, you know. He wants it, like in his dream of dreams, he wants that show to be what he does. He defines himself by being a Nintendo podcaster. He wants to wake up every morning, make content, and be able to do that to support his family. And I feel the same way. I would absolutely love to do that. I think that would be amazing. And, you know, I think we're all sort of taking steps to potentially get there. And even if we don't, we're going to have fun along the way. But I can really relate to Andros and... Big congratulations on two years of doing the show. It's definitely a commitment doing a podcast. It's not easy. And I think in the last last six months of at the House of Mario, this has been some of our toughest times we've ever sort of faced doing the podcast. So to Andros and um, I forgot your co-host name off the top of my head. I've just been listening to the show. Jeez, I'm a bad man. But look, Andros, you're going to come into some harder times. You're going to come into some easier times. Uh, but it's it's uh it's it's so satisfying doing this and everybody go and check out Nintendo Powers great show definitely deserve your time and attention awesome stuff um and uh, next up as far as my geek out goes I've been watching Obi Wan Kenobi on Disney Plus and I've been on a huge Star Wars kick lately and this has been a really cool show um some some nights when I can't sleep I just like I typed in Darth Vader. And finding all the, like, the I guess, stories from the comics and the novels and, like, all the backstory to Darth Vader. And Darth Vader was already, like, one of my favorite characters, full stop, in just in, in a, like, non-fiction. Oh, in fiction. <laughs> non-fiction. Holy shit, I hope he's not real. Um, but he is just such a fascinating character. And while I'd, I wouldn't like him if he was, <laughs> if, he, if I lived with him, he wouldn't be a very good housemate, let's say in the house of Mario, but just everything to do with him. And just the fact that this is like Darth Vader in his prime and episode three, no spoilers, but Darth Vader does make an appearance in episode three. And it's, oh my God, it's so cool. I, I just want a Darth Vader show. Like Obi-Wan, he's great, but I just want a Darth Vader show. Like whenever he pops up in the Star Wars movies, I'm like, yes, like uh, Rogue One, good movie watching it. Uh, spoilers for that movie, by the way, if you haven't watched, watched Rogue One. It's a few years old now, if you <laughs> don't care about it. But uh, there's a scene in that, at the very end where Darth Vader just, he rocks up. <laughs> and he just goes to town on these poor, poor rebel soldiers that are trying to get information about the Death Star, which they which they eventually utilize in episode four, where they blow up the Death Star. And it, it is amazing. He just like, his lightsaber goes and he just goes to town trying to get this information back. And he fails, but it's it's so cool. And I really hope going forward that we will be seeing more of these Darth Vader scenes from, from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Really enjoying it, watching it weekly. Big shout out to Sam Hay because I thought this show was coming out on the Friday. The first two episodes, they came out Friday on Disney+. Plus. I'm like, oh, well, I can't wait to next Friday, episode three. And there I am waiting for the Pokemon trailer to drop. And Sam Hayes like, hey, look, episode three is out. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I was just about to have a shower at the time. I was, I was considering um, just not having a shower. But I, I had to. I stank. 
So I had a shower and watched Obi-Wan and watched the Pokemon trailer afterwards and it was a good night. Let's put it that way. It was a good night. Um, I couldn't sleep for a little while though. Then I watched uh, Bryce's stream. He was streaming Super Smash Brothers and having a good time there. So no, it was a big night. But uh, yeah. So yeah, they're my, they're my geek outs. So once again, just a reminder, go and check out Nintendo Powers. Celebrating their second year anniversary. Awesome show. Awesome guys. Go and check them out. Let's move on to some game impressions. And I've been playing a little bit sort of here and there on Switch. Has been a little bit hard with the young fella getting around, but I finally dove into Atelier Sophie 2. And this is a JRPG I've had my eyes on uh, since the start of the year. But um, these JRPGs are pretty niche. So, you know, they come out, they're pretty expensive. Like the game by itself is $90. They got like a special edition for $110. Then they got like a deluxe that has a heap of DLC, including costumes and a couple of um, story missions and just stuff like that. And that's $172. I'm like, Jesus Christ. So, you know, Koei Tecmo, they're making, they're making some bank on this game. Well, at least from every single person that buys it. So I had it on the back burner. I'm like, I'll wait till it's on sale. And the Atelier series, which is a JRPG series, which um, basically is a really nice anime, vibrant art style, very cute, whimsical characters, a lot of like female characters. And I think it gets a bit of a bad rap being one of like a, well, it, it's definitely a weeb game, but I think it's a bit of a bad rap because like there's a lot of like DLC uh, costumes that are fan service, you know, putting your characters in bikinis and all of that. I want, I want none of that. I don't know how old these characters are. I'm going to assume they're 20, I hope. <laughs> I've got no idea. They're old enough anyway. They're old enough not to... um. Not to feel bad if you want to put him in bikinis. I don't know. It's up to you. But yes, I had this game on in my wish list for a long time. And I I thought it would go on sale because the Atelier series, it's it's um, celebrating its 25th year anniversary in May. So I'm like, well, they'll probably have a sale in May. Um, and they didn't really, but the game did go on sale. So I'm like, well, that, that'll do. So I finally got it for 25% off and I've, I've dived into it and just the sort of glow up this game got from the first Atelier Sophie. So Atelier Sophie came out on PlayStation 4 and probably PC or something in, in 2015. And it got ported to Switch recently and I got that game on sale in a in a pack with a couple of other games from the series. And I wanted to play that game first because I knew there was so many quality of life features put into the sequel that going back to the first game was going to be near impossible. Um, but about, I was about, uh, say six or seven hours into Atelier Sophie. Um, and I just, I couldn't get into it. Uh, just the progression was really hard because the game basically is all about crafting and then using those items to defeat enemies in turn-based combat. So it's not all about leveling up per se, but it is about having the right tools and equipment for the job. And then all of those tools and equipment, there's different gradings, different elements you can put into them. It's a very in-depth sort of alchemy-based um, crafting system, which I, you know, typically I'm not a big crafting guy as far as my games go. I think, you know, a lot of games as far as Nintendo goes, you know, you've got Animal Crossing, Pokemon utilized it in Pokemon Legends Arceus. And a lot of that stuff is pretty basic, you know, but this is very much like getting the elements, fitting them onto a board in a Tetris-like sort of style lining things up to get the most out of all of your ingredients and then bringing those items into battle. But sometimes you're like, all right, I need this one piece of, <laughs> I need this one item to bring into my um, 
I guess, Atelier so then I can uh, make an item. But where is it? There's so many locations and you just can't see where you're going. You've got to talk to certain characters and it's in a very, very dead feeling blank town which just feels lifeless. And you just got to go around talking to people. Oh, look, you're the right person after an hour of looking around just in some random corner of of the town that you don't actually utilize that much. So I I kind of fell off of it. I'm like, I can't do this. And especially with looking at what the sequel offered, I, I was like, I just want to play the sequel. So it finally went on sale. I picked it up on Switch. I actually did get it on PC too, but uh, I find it very hard to get into this room. I'd rather just, especially with a JRPG, it's going to take me hours. So, and I don't get too much benefit out of a, a PC version of this game anyway. It's not like the most graphically intensive game. It looks very nice on Switch. So finally getting into it. This game is so much better than the original game. <laughs> it's so much better. Just everything's labeled. Um, and the music, the art style, the graphics, uh, everything is absolutely fantastic. I think this game is probably going to be in my game of the year contenders, and I thought it might be when it came out at the start of the year, and I've just sort of been waiting on it, you know, pick it up at a bit better price, all of that. But just with how the game works and how you're able to, um, like, see where things are, so you're in the overworld, you're able to automatically just uh, sort of fast travel to wherever you want to go, there's multiple areas where you've got to talk to people in town or you've got to go out in the field and defeat enemies to get items or even just like, say, in Pokemon where in the Pokemon Sword and Shield, you're out in the open the open world and you know, you're picking up items off the ground. You're doing a lot of that in Atelier as well. You're going up to bushes, you're harvesting like the grass from it. You might go up to an enemy, defeat them, get some of their items that they drop when you defeat them. And when you bring them back to your atelier and it's all very well labeled out. So you know exactly where you need to go for your items. And there's lots of sort of stuff in play as well in the background where, you know, you're doing certain uh, side quests. Everything's labeled where you know where you have to go to do a side quest. And there's sort of no getting lost in this, which is something I felt uh, was sort of really holding me back in the original game where I'm like, I just don't know where to go. I don't know where this item is. I don't know where this enemy is. And sure, I could sit there and I'll figure it out, but I've got so many games and even even that game in itself is a very long game. So I really don't want to draw it out just by wasting time. So that's something that I'm very happy in this game that um, that isn't there. So the quality of life is absolutely fantastic and the story is gripping me a lot more as well. In the first game, there wasn't much story. That was very much just, hey, look, let's make items let's go out and get the items. And then I think there was a bit, I think a lot of the story was back-ended at the end of the game from what I can, I can gather from hearing others discuss it. But this game, there's a story going on as you're going along. And you sort of, at the start of the game, Sophie and Plakta, her friend, have been sucked into this sort of dream world. And it's really interesting how they're able to use that as a story beat and bring in characters from the past and um, sort of play with that. So they can sort of do whatever they want with the story. Like, for example, in the first game, uh, Sophie, she's looking up to her grandmother who is like, um, who was like a really good, um, I guess, alchemist. And you never meet her, but in this one, you meet her like at the same age Sophie is, which is a really interesting concept. And um, just going through the story and seeing what happens is, is something I didn't expect, especially after the first game where the story was kind of non-existent. So... If you're into JRPGs and you like the look of this game, definitely go and check it out. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm going to be playing it for 
a lot longer. And I, find, I feel a little bit guilty with this game as well. I know that Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is coming out and I started uh, Definitive Edition. I know I probably should at least try and touch the second game before the end of July when Xenoblade Chronicles 3 comes out. But I don't know, this... Um, this series kind of appeals to me more than Xenoblade does, and I feel bad about that just because I, I guess, you know, it's a Nintendo game and it's more important to the audience that listens to this, but it is what it is. I, I, like, what I, I like what I like. Goodness gracious. So, yes, Atelier Sophie too. Go and check it out. It might be still on sale. I think it was on sale for a couple of weeks. So it might have a week so left if you're listening to this relatively soon after the episode comes out. So yeah, tell you Sophie too, I'm going to be playing it for a, a lot longer. Might have like little impressions here and there as far as um, uh, the weeks pr- uh, prior c- to this come out. But yeah, so yes, that's that game. And uh, next up is a Mario Strikers Battle League demo. And I actually didn't realize that this, uh, I guess, first kick was going to have um, like a playable offline sort of bit which is pretty cool. It's basically a tutorial where you learn all the mechanics in the game, which is really cool. I didn't expect uh, that to be in there, but um, at first you're sort of just learning how to pass, how to move. I'm like, okay, like I've played a game before and I've played Mario Strikers and Mario Strikers Charged before. I know what's going on, but what's pretty cool about this game is that everything is very, very based on your timing and like different gauges, different things that are going on. Even like, just like the small things. I think in the very first game on GameCube, you pass the ball around and when you're passing the ball around, the ball's charging up. So when you actually do like a a shot, uh, the more you charge up the ball, the better it is. It's been a long time since I played that game and that game was extremely fast. And that was one of the sort of, I guess what made that game really sort of stand out. Not just because it's a Mario soccer game, but because... Holy crap, you're watching someone play. Like, what is going on? It's a bit like like Smash Brothers Melee. I guess everything was fast on GameCube. And Nintendo's like, slow the fuck down when it comes to Wii and Wii U. (laughs) Um, It's kind of like foosball when the balls are... You don't know what's going on. Everyone's just like smacking all the men around. (laughs) But Mario Strikers Charge, it slowed down a bit, introduced a few more mechanics, a bit more team play. Obviously, there's like the goalie motion controls where you got to try and block the ball for the charge shots. Um, which was some of the coolest animations in that game, but now we're sort of we're sort of missing a lot of that, which is is kind of cool. Um, and playing it, I was I was a little bit sort of, I was a little bit, yeah, I was worried about this game, and the main reason was just like the Camelot sort of sports games on Switch, and even maybe the last even years prior to that. They weren't. They're not up to scratch. They're not up to scratch for eighty bucks. They're not up to scratch for the Mario name, and they're not up to scratch just for general sports fans. I feel um, Mario Tennis. I don't know. I feel like mechanically it was okay, but everything around it, from the story mode and how they sort of handled just like updated content, it, it wasn't up to scratch. And Mario Golf, especially, I feel like that was a real letdown. Same thing again. It was fun to play, but at launch it just the content wasn't there and by the time they got around to getting it all there, I was I was gone. And the fact that they didn't have like tournament modes in a golf game where you can just jump into it and do some golf, get your scores, see that someone's done that course better than you, go, all right, I'm jumping back into it. I'm going to beat you, goddammit. The fact that that wasn't there really killed the game for me and I know a lot of other people in the Nintendo community were sort of let down by that as well. 
So it's a, it's, a, it's an outright shame. But Next Level Games, this is their first game they're going to be releasing since they've been acquired by Nintendo, Nintendo's first Canadian studio. So there's a, there's a lot riding on this game. I feel like it's going to be it's going to be a big one and it's definitely the game that I've been asking for for a long time. So really, really excited for it. But playing it really kind of put me at ease, at least mechanically. I feel like by looking at what else is sort of circulating around this game, it's going to be relatively bare bones. And But we obviously won't know that until the full release. But playing the game and sort of working out like, like passing the ball, there's a lot sort of shorter time that you've got to like really do a precise timing to do a pass, then do an automatic pass again to like build up that charge in the ball. If you do that a couple of times and you take a shot at the right time, um, you're going to have a lot better chance of the goalkeeper not being able to stop it. Um, there's like the big, uh, I guess, what are they called now? The big, oh, the hyper shots. There's the big hyper shots as well where um, there's like an orb that forms on the field and then you go and get it and pretty much you got to charge up a shot, you kick it in the air, and you do like your character's finishing move, essentially. And that doesn't automatically mean that you're going to be getting it in the goal. There's like a bit of a meter that comes up. You've got to press the A button um, in the blue section twice. And depending on your character or sort of how your stats are laid out, that is going to affect of how likely you are to get that ball in the back of the goal. But if you do get it in, you do get two points, which is pretty cool. But there's lots of sort of mechanics where like, you've got like your perfect shot, your perfect pass, depending on sort of like you can tell by the sort of circle around your character and as it's closing in, um, if you press at the right time, you do like a, a big shot. So there's lots of sort of things like that in the game that are going to be, it's a lot to keep track of. Like in the sort of demo when it says, okay, utilize these uh, sort of skills that you learnt in an actual match. Then I'll jump into it and sort of like, you know, you get an item, you get, you get your hyper shot, you're looking around to see how you use it. You're doing a pass and even the positioning of your characters, obviously you can, soccer's all about angles and passing and all that. So that's very important. And when you put all of these into sort of one match, you're thinking about it all at once. Um, you know, it's a lot to think about. I think there's going to be a big sort of, uh, a big ceiling for skill in this game. It's going to be a lot of fun and, what I do hope is that it is not going to die out like Nintendo Switch Sports did. I, I Like Switch Sports was fun and people were talking about it for a week, but now it sort of died out and it'll probably start up a bit again when Mario, uh, not Mario Golf, uh, when Golf gets uh, released back into that game. I think it's going to really charge it up again. But yeah, I, I hope Strikers doesn't face the same fate. So... That's that's where that's where the House of Mario is going to come in, at least for our community and the people that listen to us. We don't want this game to die. We've been waiting. We've been asking for it for years. Next level games and Nintendo, they're delivering. They're selling it to us for a nice juicy eighty bucks. Thank you very much. Take our money. But I I don't want this game to die out in a week, a month, or even two months. Like, come on, let's let's really embrace this game. Let's make this game a big sort of force in multiplayer. We haven't had that on Switch for a little while since honestly probably like the the height of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Splatoon 2. And we're going to have a return of that. Splatoon 3 is coming out. So the longest this is going to last is until Splatoon 3 comes out, let's be honest. So let's utilize the time between June and September. I believe it's coming out. So September 9th, I think Splatoon is. 
Let's at least utilize that time for some Mario Strikers. So the House of Mario, we are going to be a serious football club for you guys to join. We're going to have a big recruiting season, all right? I think you can add up to 20 people in a club. And while that doesn't sound a lot, it's probably going to be a fair bit for the House of Mario, to be honest. By the time you put me, Bryce, Metadox, Luke join, Sam Hay. Got a few people joining in. I don't think Delfino's joining. I think she was saving it. Yeah, no, we, 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 got, we got some recruiting to do here, guys. So we would love to have you in. Don't know how it's going to... I don't know how clubs works yet. But we've got to stir the shit a bit, okay? This is what we got to do <laughs> when it comes to other Nintendo podcasts. I feel like everyone's like, oh, we'll start a club. It'll be a bit of fun. And it'll die out in a week, which would be a bloody shame. So the House of Mara, we've got to put out some propaganda to really rally up. It really, <laughs> it might be a bit annoying to some people. It might be a bit offensive to some people. But we need to we need to make some commotion within the Nintendo community in general just to make sure this game lives on. A bit of friendly competition, if you will. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to do a bit of a clip that I'm going to clip out of this podcast and put on Twitter and uh, tag a few other Nintendo podcasts in there and see if see if we can stir some shit. So, look, this is this is me just putting on a show, right? This isn't me. This isn't truly what I feel. And, uh, well, it might be. Who knows? So, let's give it a go. I've got OBS set up here. So, yes, here we go. So, here we go. <laughs> uh, let me take some energy drink. That'll really rally me up. Here we go. All right, you stinky boys. Mario Strikers. <laughs> Mario Strikers. About to say Mario Strikers charged. All right. This, this is real time, guys. This is me really... Oh, I haven't actually planned out what I was going to say. Let's see how we go. Hey, how you bloody going? It's me, Drew Agnew, here from the House of Mario. And I don't give a shit what you guys think. No. No, I do not. I think that... Mario Strike is, is going to be a bloody... <laughs> uh, this is uh, the decay of Drew's brain. All right. No, what are we going to say here? Hmm. Really should have planned this bit out, eh? I've got, like, the list of shows here. Here we go. I got it. So, you know, Mario Strikers Charge comes out in about a week. And here at the House of Mario, we are looking for some serious Mario Strikers players to join the House of Mario Club. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, but Drew, I'm going to join the Nintendo Drives Club, Nintendo Shack, Nintendo Powers, Nintendo Dads, Nintendo Fuse, Nintendvania, Nintendo Powercast, Nintendo Nostalgia, Radio Free Nintendo, Talk Nintendo, Nintendo Rama, N to the O, or hell, even just be a bloody mainstream person and join Nintendo Voice Chats Club. But here at the House of Mario, we are looking for excellence to join our club, and we will be the top of the leaderboard. That's for sure. And uh, the other Nintendo podcasts, you better look out because the House of Mario will be coming knocking on your door very soon. All right, that'll, <laughs> that'll do it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we're looking for some Mario Strikers players. Come and join us. 
Sorry for throwing that at your face. And uh, what else I've been playing is my Nintendo 64 controller came in. So I finally got a wireless Nintendo 64 controller, which you can purchase if you're a Nintendo Switch Online member. And I don't know what the go of this is. It sold out so quickly initially, and then it, then it <laughs> took forever to restock. And finally, finally got my order in. And like uh, you know, in the past, I've really, really been trying to play Nintendo 64 games with a Nintendo 64 controller, even to the point where I got a, a Nintendo 64 controller adapter for PC. And that didn't work out very well because the Nintendo 64 controllers I've got, the analog stick is just destroyed. <laughs> you shake the controller and it just wobbles back and forth and you can barely use the thing. So I'm like, oh, well, that was a, a waste of $15 for the adapter because all my controllers are just bust and it's so hard to find a Nintendo 64 controller that actually functions the way you want it to. So getting a wireless controller that just works natively with Switch and that, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a no, it's a no-brainer. And getting out the box, just the whole idea of it being wireless is absolutely amazing. And I think for me as well, just like I've got it right here in front of my, front of my face. And like, listen to the stick. Listen to that spring and how tightly rung it is. It's awesome. So you've actually got like a proper analog stick on a Nintendo 64 controller and it just feels surreal. It feels weird. So I jumped into some Nintendo 64 games. Um, the main one was Mario 64, one of my favorite games ever. And it's been years since I played it properly because it, I played it on the 3D All-Stars collection and it just feels off. It feels wrong to be playing it just with a pro controller or Joy-Cons. It just doesn't feel right, even though it's one of the games that probably feels probably most normal in all honesty. But yeah, no, it's uh, definitely definitely worth the price of admission, I reckon, to jump into it and get proper controls for these games. And as more come out, I'll be sort of playing it a lot more. I've sort of just been holding off. Like even for games like Paper Mario and um, even Kirby, I'm like, well, I want to I play it with the 64 controller, even though those games would be simple just to play with a Joy-Con or whatever. But yeah, no, it's really great. I really love it. I think it's um, I think it's really cool. And it's got like the home button and uh, the uh, screen capture button and even a ZR button at the top of the controller, the buttons that aren't actually on the controller, which is cool. So yeah, fantastic. I would recommend it if you are into playing Nintendo 64 games. And I assume you could probably use this with PC too if you wanted to emulate some games but won't <laughs> come to the online service. I'm sure there'll be plenty of them. So yeah, there's that. All right, let's get through um, some news now. <laughs> ran, out of, ran out of the words there. Let's, let's get through some news and then we'll... Um, don't know, let's get through some news. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah! Is that all? I fight for my friends. My body is still Alrighty, so there's been some big Pokemon news for the brand new Generation 9 games. Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet, they've got a release date, November 18th. And they've got a bunch of uh, awesome sort of features coming along with it as well. First of all, being four-player co-op, which is brand new to the Pokemon series, at least the mainline games, which is awesome. We've got uh, sort of highlighted some new professors, some new Pokemon, legendary Pokemon, um, which all look really, really quite nice. So... Let's get through some of the things we can expect in these games before we get into my sort of impressions, I guess, of the trailer and of the games. This uh, comes from Vooks.net. 
and the, the article reads, the Pokemon company just dropped a bombshell of a new trailer for Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet, showing off tons of new features, characters, and a release date. The first big changes from previous generations is the introduction of two new professors, one for each game. Scarlet, uh, Scarlet players will get to hang out with Professor Satter, while Violet players will get to meet the incredibly handsome Professor Toro, both of whom we're, all, we're sure are ready, uh, already the subject of mountains of fan art. We were also introduced to the player's uh, friend and rival, uh, 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 Nimona. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. Nimona, who uh, wears a mysterious glove on her right hand. Who knows what that's about? Yes, who knows? Might have a cold right hand. Of course, there's also a bunch of new Pokemon to look at with three new adorable friends revealed alongside the box of legendaries. Uh, those are electric, the electric-type mouse Pokemon, Pormy, the grass normal olive Pokemon Smallov, and the immediate fan favorite normal type hog, <laughs> Lechonk. I love Lechonk. <laughs> uh, these box legendaries I mentioned are also pretty interesting with fascinating designs, quite unlike anything else in the series to date. Scarlet players will encounter the mysterious uh, Coradon, while Violet players will go face to face with Miradon, a futuristic electric dragon with massive jets for legs. So, yeah, that's really cool. Um, perhaps the most interesting reveal of the trailer, however, was the announcement of the four-player online multiplayer. That's four players in the same world at the same time interacting with the world at large, not the multiplayer light found in Sword and Shield's wild area. Uh, it's not currently known if the entire world can be played multiplayer like this, though the Pokemon company is at uh, pains to remind you it is a fully open world on its website, whereas the following description of its multiplayer is also present. So the Pokemon company is quoted for saying, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet allow multiplayer without the four players. Along with series staples such as trading and battling, you'll be able to explore the various locations of the region in these games with other players. Uh, you can discover new Pokemon and explore unfamiliar areas with your friends and family, opening the door to an adventure more... to an adventure more... more precious and fun than ever. That's weird. Yeah, I'm just right. More, more precious and fun. Okay. Yeah. So sort of a lot in this three-minute trailer. So let's sort of, uh, I guess, reverse and break it down from there. Like the multiplayer, that's going to be a lot of fun. And also the story will not be limiting your progression. So you can just go out there and do what you want. And I do hope that this means that you can go to any town. You can decide to participate in any gym. You can do any side quest that you would like to do. You can go and catch any Pokemon. You can do what you like. You can not beat any gyms. You can level up to level 100 before you do anything. And potentially that could scale. That would be cool as well if um, these games seriously do scale to um, what your Pokemon's levels are. That would be fantastic. Uh, and there's lots of questions as far as the multiplayer goes as well. Like you're participating in the same world, but can you both team up and battle a Pokemon at once? Um, like what can you actually do with one another apart from see each other? And if a big rare Pokemon comes up, say a shiny Pokemon pops up, uh, do you both have an opportunity to catch it or it's one catch it and that's it. That's done. <laughs> Cause I know in like other games with it's like destiny two or something, you can both get the same loot, like from the same chest pretty much. Is that going to how that works? So there's lots of questions as far as the multiplayer works. I'm excited. I think, 
Um, I'm going to spend a lot of time in this. Pokemon Legends Arceus, it was just so much fun to be in that world. And to have a similar thing here in a mainline Pokemon game where you're actually able to share that with other friends, that's going to be that's going to be really special. So a lot of fun there. And the Pokemon themselves, I think they're I think they're all winners. I really like <laughs> Lechonk is fantastic. I think especially for its name. I think the one that stands out to me is Smoliv. Actually, um, it just it's got like a terrifyingly cute face, and I love its sort of Pokedex description where it's got like really bitter tasting oil that, um, you know, lots of other Pokemon don't like. But um, I think, what's its name again? It's, uh, a poor me. It's kind of like, it's, a, it's this is like the Pikachu clone, I assume, where it's got like electric sacks on its cheek. Um, but it's a cute Pokemon. It's pretty cute. But it's just with like the changes between each version where... Uh, you've got your two professors, one each version, and you've got legendaries as well. And one represents the past and what the other represents the future. And that's very much what the legendaries are representing as well. Whether these are the same Pokemon, which um, one is in the past and one is in the future, or they are different entities, that is to be decided when we actually play the games, I assume. But really, I love the design. I think... Um, uh, the legendary in Scarlet. It, it stands out to me. It looks like um, Gomamon <laughs> from Digimon, <laughs> which I really like Gomamon, actually. Uh, am I thinking of Gomamon? Oh, what's his? No, Gomamon's the the fish one. Which one's Go? What's his? Gilmon. Yeah, Gilmon um, from like the, I think it's like the third series of Digimon. Yeah. So it kind of reminds me of that, but that's cool. Look, <laughs> You can you can remind me of that, but I think personally for me, I I'm gonna go uh, Scarlet. No, no, sorry, Violet. Um, I think um, that legendary looks fantastic, and I really like the sort of futuristic sort of take on it, and like the jets. I think look sick, and just like its eyes are screens. I think it's I think it's awesome. So big props to Game Freak on the design of the new Pokemon. I think it's uh, I think it's pretty much a win so far as. Uh, like the starters go and the new Pokemon and the legendaries, um, the professors. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting lore to sort of soak up. And the fact that you, it's not going to be progressing being like, blah, 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 blah. Like you're talking to all these annoying kids and, you know, you're just mushing A through it all. I think uh, it's going to be a lot of fun sort of discovering this in the world as you're going along. And whether it is like hidden things you find where you're like, oh, look, this is like the Pokemon from the past and you find a fossil or something like that and you're able to research it and do do stuff that isn't traditional typically to Pokemon. I think it's going to be pretty cool. Um, just, I guess a few of my gripes as far as what come from the trailer. And I, th I think this is just the Pokemon series at large. Um, a little bit disappointing to see that there's no voice acting once again. Um, and I, I sort of feel like I'm comparing it a little bit to Atelier. To, to be honest, like the Atelier series, they sell probably one hundredth of Pokemon. <laughs> like typically those games don't even sell a million copies. They're very much, they're very happy uh, with Atelier Riser. They were stoked that two games in like the same trilogy sold half a million. They were stoked and they put out a big thank you on Twitter. They were celebrating. Um, so obviously a lot more niche type of game, but the, like they have voice acting they put a lot of effort into it. Their um, their sort of graphics are you know they're not they're not like amazing, but they're I would say they're probably more appealing than what I saw in this uh, latest trailer. 
There's a few things like that. I just like, I wish they brought in voice acting. I wish it, I do wish it looked better than it does. And it's not because I'm a massive graphics person or even that it um, affects my enjoyment of Pokemon because I love Pokemon Legends Arceus, Arceus, even though I look at the game and I'm like, yeah, it's not a, it should look better. Like it, it just should. And I'm, I'm not, I, it's sort of hard to even say that after the whole Dexit sort of thing that happened back in 2019 with Pokemon Sword and Shield. I think everyone's just like, oh, look, we can't say anything bad about Pokemon anymore. You just got to accept it. <laughs> and it's, it's a shame because I feel like, you know, voice acting and a bit sharper sort of, not even the graphics, just like maybe the presentation or the art style. Something's not jiving with me straight away. But ultimately, like, you know, I am going to be buying this game. I will probably enjoy it so much. It will be like in my top three games of the year. I dare say I'm going to get lost in this world, especially that I can go where I want. Even Legends Arceus was like, go here, talk to this person. Now we're moving to the next area. And that was way more free than what we expect from the series. I just, yeah, I just wish it had some of these um, other things. And I do acknowledge that, like, the Pokemon company, like, it's a it's a worldwide release. Having voice acting would add so much more time and budget and all of that. Got to translate it to multiple languages all over the world. You know, even in China, there's it's got two types of Chinese and obviously English and all of the European countries. It's a, it's a massive task, but I think it would benefit a lot. And just with uh, how big the Pokemon anime is, there's voice actors just on call straight away. There's contacts there. It's not like it's not like maybe some other franchises where it's a lot bigger sort of uh, sort of ask. But regardless, that isn't happening. Generation nine might happen eventually. <laughs> it's not it's not going to sell any more copies though. I feel like they've got no sort of incentive to sort of sort of do it, which is uh, which is what it is. But I'm happy with what I've seen. It looks good. It looks really good. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be buying. It. I'm gonna get the double pack. I'm, <laughs> I'm just an outright sucker because as far as collecting goes, like physically, I do collect the Pokemon games, so I will be buying each one. I'm a part of the problem. I do acknowledge that. But yeah, can't wait to see more. Hopefully, we don't see. Too much more until it's uh, November 18th release. But yeah, fantastic. Pokemon, here it is. Summer, <laughs> Summer Game Fest has started early. And uh, also like uh, Toby Fox, he uh, did a bit of the music in Pokemon Sword and Shield. He did the Battle Tower theme, which was awesome in that game. It was it just went off. And uh, Toby Fox, he put out on Twitter that he actually composed some of the music in this trailer as well, which we can hear as a part of the trailer. Uh, he said on Twitter that I had the honor of composing the field music for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. After creating a concept sketch, Game Freak ar- arranged it into many versions that you'll hear throughout the game. You can hear a bit of it in the trailer. So, yeah, I um, I can't wait to hear that sort of not mixed into the trailer, I guess, just like in the actual game itself. Um, yeah, I wonder if like Toby, obviously he's doing like a, he's been doing a little bit of stuff with Game Freak here and there be interesting to see if like he does more and more as time goes on. But I think with the success of Undertale, uh, he just does not need to <laughs> work much anymore. You can see that with uh, Deltarune. He just puts out a chapter here, chapter there, both free. I don't think it's really <laughs> all that much for him. Like he can, he can do what he wants. He's a free man and he's, he's earned it. He's really earned it. Uh, moving on with a bit more Pokemon news. So from Vooks once again is uh, Janichi Masuda no longer managing director at Game Freak. 
has a fellow role at the Pokemon Company. And the article reads, The Pokemon Company has announced that Junichi Masuda is no longer the managing director at Game Freak. He will now serve as chief creative fellow at the Pokemon Company overseeing all things Pokemon. Junichi Masuda has been at Game Freak from the very beginning. Uh, from Pokemon Ruby version and Pokemon Sapphire version to Pokemon X and Pokemon Y version, he was director for these games. But his work on the first games, including the soundtracks, where he started. Junichi had this message to say in a press release to fans. Quote, I have served as the director for the Pokemon video game series, starting with Pokemon Ruby version and Pokemon Sapphire version, up until Pokemon X and Pokemon Y. I was involved in the development of many video games, including Pokemon Go. I would like to express my heartfelt thanks to all Pokemon fans. Going forward, I hope to transcend the boundaries of video games by trying to offer uh, greater surprises, fun, and excitement to people all over the world while doing my uttermost to connect people, expand the circle of play, and bring about a richer world for us to share. I appreciate your connected, uh, continued support in my new role. So this is pretty cool. So we've seen this sort of happen within Nintendo before with Shigeru Miyamoto. He moved into a similar position at Nintendo. Whereas these these people that have had great impact on the company and uh, they get sort of moved out of the trenches into like a more sort of, I'm not going to say, it's not a more casual role. That's the word that came to my head, but it's not a more casual role. It's sort of like a, a more overarching sort of role where, not just the games, but you can really sort of point to like bits of the overall franchises. That's like, this is where we need to go. And you can see with Shigeru Miyamoto, he's like, all right, Nintendo is great at making games. That's what he just excels in was coming up with these characters. And now it's time to point Nintendo in some different directions. And you can see that with the Mario movie, that is pretty much his little project at the moment. Been like, we need to get into film and get you know kids in through the films or get them in through the games or even like the mobile app where like, you know, uh, Super Mario Run. There was like a different avenue to get people to play that on their iPad or something like that. And I, I can see this going forward with Pokemon because Pokemon is very good at this. You've got the, we've already got the anime. You've got Pokemon Go on mobile. You've got the cards. You've got every aspect of your life Pokemon is filling. And even like apps like Pokemon Smile, um, which is like, you know, helps kids sort of gamify brushing their teeth to Pokemon Sleep, Pokemon Go. We've got a lot of these apps that, you know, every aspect of your life, Pokemon's sort of filling. And when you really think about it, that kind of scares me. I've got to be honest. <laughs> the idea of, uh, you know, kids being like, oh, look, I don't want to brush my teeth unless I'm doing it to catch Pokemon. And then they go out and play Pokemon. Then they pick up their Switch and play Pokemon. And then they have Pokemon Unite on their phone. And, you know, it gets a little bit much. I could see myself as a kid just being inundated. Whereas, whereas when I was young, I was watching the anime. I was playing Pokemon on my Game Boy. And that was kind of it. Like, yeah, obviously the cards and stuff too. But now it's just like, you can't escape it. Which, uh, there's worse things to... Not escape, I guess. <laughs> but a big congratulations to Junichi Masuda. I think he's um, he's earned the role. Uh, like Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire was where I started with the series. So ever since I've been playing Pokemon, he has had a massive role. Um, and as a composer, he started off in Game Freak as a composer for the Pokemon franchise. And say what you want about the games over the years. The, the music has always been 
spot on, fantastic, amazing. Just from the very first games on Game Boy, the way he was able to use that that chipset to make those those tracks, those iconic game tracks from the opening screen, the battle theme, the rival theme, the Elite Four, the champion when you're versing Blue, it's absolutely phenomenal. He is he is just uh just an incredible sort of creative visionary and I look forward to seeing what he does at the Pokemon company. And I know, actually, I know Bryce brought up some some points. I, I know he was pretty uh, passionate about this. He put it in the Discord. So I'm going to read this from our very own Bryce DeWitt, co-host of the House of Mario. And this is just his thoughts about the Pokemon trailer and Junichi Masuda in general. And then I'll discuss it from there. So he says, the trailer has certainly stoked my attention fires a little more. However, the grandiose things they are claiming that the game will be sporting, open world multiplayer, um, unbranched story, etc. I'm hoping they've learned something from Sword and Shield. Speaking of, Junichi's departure will hopefully play a role in moving forward. While I think he's uh, definitely directed some banger games, it's taken a notable quality it's taken a noticeable quality in and consistency dip since 3D began. It's as if he didn't learn anything from X and Y and continued to keep 2D trends of budget and staffing the norm when he became managing director on the series from there on. The crunch on staff, the quality, consistent dipping games, his refusal to see the true issues or solution to the problem are becoming very Miyamoto-ish and that's an issue. Uh, we see what games these teams can make when they are given more control and creative freedom, and Masuda seems to be a roadblock in that area. I mean, no disrespect to uh, Miyamoto or Masuda, of course. They've both done incredible things in their time in the industry and will continue to do so. But having the sideline role that isn't directly involved in development of new titles will make way for people who are experienced in the modern field and will have a better grasp on making not only a quality product for the consumer, but also a better work environment for their employees. So there's a lot to sort of dive into what Bryce said here. And I did I do want to bring up his his point of view for the show as well. And um, I, I, I might lightly agree that him moving on, there's obviously going to be a lot of, like, there's going to be changes um, definitely with him not there to sort of, um, I guess, uh, put his, uh, his emphasis on things. But he's, since X and Y, like Pokemon X and Y was the last game he was making all the creative sort of director sort of, uh, sort of choices on. And after that, uh, sort of more people arose like, uh, Amori, he was the director of Pokemon Sword and Shield, whereas, um, um, Junichi was, I guess the, uh, um, to the managing director. So he was still there. He was like, he was next to him. Basically, in a, what I see is like a mentor sort of, sort of role being like, Hey, like with him, with uh, the, uh, the, um, the other one being like his first sort of directing role, he was able to sort of point him where to go, how to handle the role and what to do. And as sort of time went on, he had less part of like a, uh, less important roles to the point now where he's fully removed from game freak and um, working at the Pokemon company. And they're all connected in some ways. I believe game freak earn about like a third of the Pokemon company as far as their stocks go. So there is a, a bit there. So I, I don't expect that we will see like, you know, big changes in the next Pokemon game. It's not like, I don't feel like, you know, Janichi's gone. So like, all right, let's, uh, 
let's spend a lot more money. Let's get voice acting. Let's, you know, spend a bit more time on, on graphics or whatever, whatever have you, you want to be involved in the game. But over time, I'm sure that will happen when you get new people coming in, new ideas. I feel like the culture will change just organically. That's just how, how uh, work environments work. But uh, Bryce, Bryce mentions, mentioned Crunch here and I feel like Game Freak were, they're some of the better Japanese studios that I've sort of researched as far as, you know, Crunch and looking after their, their sort of studios. Like we know like, um you know, when Game Freak, every now and again, they bring out a game that isn't Pokemon, whether it's uh, like, what's it, Ellie? The, <laughs> I forgot the name of it. Uh, the Elephant game, but actually it was published by Sega. It didn't come out on, on Nintendo platforms, which was really weird, but like Pocket Card Jockey and uh, Tempo and uh, like there's they've done multiple games where that's a program set up where if um, if an employee at Game Freak ha- has an idea that they want to make into a game, they can like basically pitch it and if, if they like the idea, they can make it into a full game. If they're sick of making Pokemon games and they want a bit, bit of a break, Game Freak offers them a program to do that and bring their creations into, into, into I guess the in, into the industry. And also, we looked up a bit before where Game Freak sort of implemented a four-day work week, which is kind of unheard of for a Japanese studio. We all we all sort of know like um, I guess like the stereotypical sort of Japanese work life where it's like six days a week, barely see any family and all that. Uh, I don't know if that's true these days. I'm sure it is somewhere, much like it probably is in some places of Australia and and the UK and America. But I feel like Game Freak in that respect are pretty good. I, f- I think, um, especially looking into it after the Pokemon Sh- uh, Sword and Shield debacle, the whole cutting of the Pokemon, removing that aspect so they c- could concentrate on other bits of the game, it was very much a a production point of view where it's like that was an important bit to not crunch and get the game out at a satisfactory level and I feel like Janichi and the team actually do a really good job they, they've they got these programs in place where they can offer staff to do something that isn't Pokemon not be on the on the yearly cycle of pumping these games out um, they've got sort of pl- sort of implementations of not working as much and they also get get out a game every year. Like their production, I feel like it's pretty spot on. Regardless of what you think of of the quality at the end of the day, you know, like you might you might have the same sort of worries I do, where it's like, oh, we'd like to see the series take more of a step forward just into the modern era with voice acting and stuff. But I feel like the production side of things, the choices they've made, they get a quality game out each year. And their their staff get access to these programs, and I think it's a pretty good thing, really. But that's up to that's up to Bryce to discuss with me on the uh, another episode when he decides to rock up one day. <laughs> but yes, Janichi Masuda, have a good have a good job at the Pokemon Company, my friend. All right, next up we got some times for the uh, Mario Strikers Battle League Football Online Test, so. This is, uh, I guess, times for Australian Eastern Standard Time. So on the 4th of June, you can we can jump on at 1 o'clock um, in the afternoon, Australian Eastern Standard Time. Then on Saturday, we can jump on uh, the, at 9 o'clock in the, in the evening, Australian Eastern Standard Time. 
Then on the 5th is at 5 a.m. Then on the... Um, then we've got another one the same day. we got 1 p.m. We've got Sunday again. We've got, so we've got three on Sunday. Cool. Then we've got Monday, the 6th, 5 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Get on there or go home. <laughs> All right. So moving on again. This is from my Nintendo News. Square Enix says their 2D HD solution costs more than people think. And this is from an, uh, an interview with 4Gamer. And uh, at the very end, they ask, one thing we've wondered uh, is why no other developers have tried anything like HD 2D. As indie games thrive, the number of games using pixel art has increased. And I would have thought that the technique could be applicable (laughs) to those games. And the developers respond, it's probably worth noting that it costs more than you would think. In that respect, it's a good match for the titles we want out of Square Enix there might not be much to gain for other companies copying it. And just like hearing bits and bobs from developers and, um, you know, the cost of games to be made, it's actually pretty surprising that pixel art actually costs a fair bit of money. And a lot of that's because of just the sort of the, the assets, just there's not as many people doing pixel art these days. So it's a lot more sort of a specialized skill, whereas I think a lot of, Developers are, you know, used to working in Unreal Engine and Unity and stuff like that using 3D assets. Um, And especially with the Square Enix titles, it's not like they are 2D. They are actually 3D built in, I think, was it Unity? Not sure. This is off the top of my head. It could be wrong, right or wrong. But it's built in the 3D engine. It's a 3D game and it is utilizing sprites. And there's so much detail and all of that in this art style. Uh, I guess it's uh, it's not super cheap and they're not making them because they are cheap. They're making them because they believe that is to create a vision of what they want to put out there. So I'll always be supporting these games from Square Enix. I think it is absolutely stunning. I want to see every single Pokemon game, Zelda game, <laughs> utilize this art style. It is phenomenal. Um, and just seeing like Dragon Quest and uh, Live Alive coming back. It's, I'm going to be buying every single one, making sure Square Enix knows that, but at least I like them anyway. Have I finished uh, Octopath Traveler or have I finished <laughs> Triangle Strategy? No, but I'll buy them. Next up is uh, YouTube, <laughs> YouTube copyright claims from Nintendo once again. Uh, I guess a few months ago, we were talking about Nintendo cracking down on people uploading their soundtracks to YouTube. And that's happened once again. There's a Twitter user called Deoxys Prime who say, effective immediately, I'll be removing all Nintendo music from my channels with 500 plus claims and a dozen soundtracks blocked over the last week. It's pretty clear that they don't want their music on YouTube. I'm sorry to everyone who enjoys their music, but I don't have much of a choice. So all Nintendo music has been taken off of their channel. And it's a little bit ironic because also being reported is the official Pokemon Diamond and Pearl Sound Library, which was its own website they launched about when Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl came out um, with all of the soundtracks and um, uh, sound effects coming from uh, the original Diamond Pearl games released in 2007. Uh, it's been taken down. And it's really weird that they made their own website for this in the first place. And I think this is just a good place to talk about. Look, I, 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 underst- I understand why Nintendo's taken this down just having some random YouTube channel with all of your music up there. It's, it's, you know, it's fair enough. It's their music. They can, they can take it down. If I had a soundtrack, 
I'll be like, that's a bit weird. I want to put, I want to put up my own soundtrack. I want to make the money from my own soundtracks. <laughs> but that's what, that's where it frustrates me. They don't have it available. And now that I'm you know, not in high school anymore and I don't download and torrent all of my music, I don't have access to this anymore because I had all the soundtracks from like Mario Galaxy and Super Smash Brothers Brawl and um, and like Twilight Princess and all of these games on my iPod. I'd go and get the rips from torrent sites and have it all labeled out. And like while I was studying, for example, I'd be listening to like mellow Mario Galaxy music and sort of like these days I don't like download music on my computer and upload it to my phone like I did in 2007. And it's all on Spotify and Apple Music and we just don't have access to it. A lot of people just got to go on YouTube and get a playlist and go Mario Galaxy and just play for the soundtrack and that's our only access to it. And I just do not understand why these soundtracks can't be made accessible to us in any sort of in any sort of way. And I think I think uh, streaming services really sort of put it out there. Like people want to listen to it and they'll listen to it the most easiest way that they can possibly do it. And I feel like Steam proved this as well, where people will go and pirate PC games. But with Steam, it's a lot easier just to pay for it and download it that way. Same with same with music. So if they just put up a few soundtracks on Apple Music and Spotify, Google Music, YouTube Music, whatever, a lot of people will just do it that way and Nintendo would get, it'll be nice passive income for them as well. Just sit back and let those tracks just generate some some revenue. I don't know why they don't do that. And it's even more frustrating with the Pokemon company because they set up this website, which is up for, it must have been, must have been like eight months or something, I assume. And that's been pulled down. Like no one cared about it. I'm not going to a website and downloading this music and whatever. But the Pokemon company, they actually have released their like music collections for each game. They've got like Pokemon Fire Red Leaf Green, Gold and Silver. And like the generation, like they've got all the generations up to, I think X and Y, might even be up to Sword and Shield. Like you can you can go and buy them on iTunes, but they are not on Apple Music or Spotify. And I don't really understand why that is. But at least there's that option. Like twenty bucks an album, like it's it's not it's not cheap. But at least there's the option. But Nintendo, you don't have the option to be like, all right, I'll I'll give you twenty dollars for the soundtrack. You don't even have that. So I think they really need to figure out what they're doing there. Otherwise, people are just going to be uploading this soundtrack. They're going to be ripping it from games. They're going to be torrenting it. They may as well just make the money for it because I think Square Enix have been really good about putting up their soundtracks for the Final Fantasy games because why not? It's free advertising. Like when you type in Nintendo, you're actually going to have Nintendo products pop up. You're going to have that music accessible and you've got to get a nice check from Spotify and Apple Music each week even though it'd be pretty unconsequential to <laughs> these big companies, it's not the point. You've just got to be in as many places as possible. So get your shit together, Nintendo. Stop ripping down music and put up your own. We've got some more Pokemon uh, news. So the Pokemon company, they basically saw a record year in their financial year. So this is from uh, uh, Santar. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, I'm reading the wrong bit. Um, uh, Kentan Games, and the article is, according to a filing in the Japanese government's official uh, uh, Grasdal, uh, the Pokemon company has seen yet another record financial year. The numbers are staggering. For the financial year ended in February 28th this year, the Pokemon company reported around um, 
uh, $6 billion, US dollars, by the way. So that's up 74% from the last fiscal year. We've got operating profit of uh, $460 million, which is up a 115%, and a net profit of $320 million, which is up um, 1.3%. Overall, this was the Pokemon Company's 24th physical. The Pokemon Company is private, which means that disclosure requirements are limited. However, in Japan, some companies of that kind see their numbers disclosed in uh, disclosed yearly intervals by the government anyway. A major reason for this increase across the board is the Pokemon Company's stacked pipeline this year. Uh, within the last physical uh, releases included Pokemon Snap, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, Pokemon Legends Arceus, and we will have a new new game as well in the same calendar year. Um, details of the Pokemon Company's ownership structures are scarce, but Nintendo regularly discloses 32% of voting rights. The other two owners are Creatures Inc. and Game Freak Incorporated. So, yeah, good on Pokemon, I guess. I don't really, I feel, this is another reason why we won't be getting maybe some some of like the the big changes we want to see in Pokemon games, but regardless, good on them. Good on them. Made some money. All right, next up, we got some information about Summer Game Fest and the publishers that will be attending this. Um, I just want to bring this up. I've got to be honest, over the last couple of years, well, I guess E3 was around last year, but I don't know. It kind of was. It kind of wasn't. <laughs> Summer Game Fest uh, with Jeff Keighley. It is pretty much replacing what we had with E3. No physical location for journalists and all of that to congregate and play the latest games and report back to us. But publishers are pretty much making their own Nintendo Direct-like presentations, presenting their games to us within the month of, well, I guess, the season of summer in um in America, which I, I got to say, in in the Southern Hemisphere, it's really annoying that it's called Summer Game Fest. It just reminds me of the fact that it's not super cold <laughs> everywhere in the world, world at the moment. But um, there's a lot of sort of publishers that are attending this uh, this sort of uh, event, I guess. And by the looks of it, as far as um, what's being presented to us, is Nintendo is not a part of it, and we saw. Uh, this morning, actually, at the time of recording this, and it, PlayStation had their uh, state of play, which was actually really good. We saw Street Fighter VI, which looks awesome. We saw Final Fantasy sixteen, which looks really good. Saw a bunch of PlayStation VR titles. I'm actually really look, looking forward to um, potentially picking up a PlayStation VR 2. I was hoping we were going to get a release date for that and maybe a confirmation that it will work with PC, but we didn't, so not too sure yet. But some of the partners that are sort of announced with um, Summer Games Fest is 2K, Activision, Atlas, Bandai Namco, Bloober Team, Capcom, uh, Coffee Team, Deep Silver, Devolver, uh, EA, Epic Games, Focus Interactive, Frost Giant, Humble Games, Level Infinite, uh, Netflix, PlayStation, Raw Fury, even Samsung Gaming Hub. Everyone gives a shit about the Samsung Gaming Hub. Sega, Square Enix, Skybound Games, Steam, Studio, MDHR, um, 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 any other noticeable ones? Uh, Warner Bros. and Xbox. So there are more to be announced, and hopefully, hopefully soon we will be getting an announcement for a for a Nintendo Direct, and they'll be added to it then. But until then, no go. So I really do hope we get a Nintendo Direct. Uh, and I, I don't feel like we need ones. Like to be honest, like we've got two big games coming out this month with Strikers and. Uh, um, 
Fire Emblem Warriors. Then we've got Splatoon. We've got Xenoblade Chronicles. We've got we've got a bit coming out, but there's not that that big holiday title. I'm sure we're all keen for. And if if that is going to be happening, if there is a bigger holiday title, whether it's a Mario title or something else entirely, it probably does need to be announced now. Like, I'm, I think the shortest amount of time that we get a lead up to a game would be three months. That's the type of game like Paper Mario, Origami King. It just got announced on Twitter. Got like a three-month sort of lead up to it. That's great. But for a bigger game, you need a little bit more than that. Uh, at least four months, I would say. So June is the time to do it. Um, but who knows? Nintendo just does what they want to do. But I want to put a bit more emphasis on, I guess, Summer Games Fest. And I guess just for myself, because E3 is always such a exciting time of year. And come June, like I'm, I'm just like bubbling with excitement, like two, two weeks, you know, E3 is going to be here. We're going to see what's coming from PlayStation and Xbox and Nintendo. And I feel like, uh, with, um, with PlayStation's state of play, I think it was actually really good. It was only half an hour and there was no first party announcements, but it was really good. I, there's a lot of games I was looking forward to it. Um, I'm sure Xboxes is going to be great. It's going to be pretty similar and akin to what we expect from an E3 presentation from them. And, if we do get a Nintendo one, I think that's going to be very, very cool. I think that's going to be similar to EA, not EA, <laughs> similar situation to E3. So I can't wait. I actually can't wait. So hopefully we do get that and we can get our excitement back because the last couple of years, it's been it's been pretty drab and boring. Like, you know, not having the hype. I know, I know it's marketing and stuff, but... It's all part of it. You know, it's all part of being a gamer and being an enthusiast of, of video games. So I hope we get some of that. And we know like a lot of companies are participating. Um, Ubisoft announced that they would not be holding an event, um, E3-like event in, in June. So they'll be doing it whenever they're ready. I'm not too fussed about Ubisoft, guys. I got, I got to admit, and I actually haven't brought it up on the podcast, but when it comes to the new Mario Plus Rabbids game, I think I will be giving it a miss, to be honest. And that's purely just because I don't want to support um, Ubisoft in sort of what they've been doing lately. Just like even their sort of positioning on their staff, how they handle their games, um, NFTs, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's a few reasons. And a lot of the reason is just because they're making games I'm really not interested in. Like Ray- Rayman Legends is one of my all-time favorite games and a lot of their UbiArts sort of titles where they really sort of had awesome looking games and did things that were a bit more different, I guess, uh, sort of indie inspired, if you will. And they're just sort of not doing that anymore. They're just doing the same old thing, which is which is not up my alley and that's fair enough. So it's pretty actually easy for me to avoid Ubisoft games. There was Riders Republic, was which I was really interested in jumping into. But for the, for the same reason, I'm like, look, I'm not going to buy it. So... As far as Mario Plus Rabbids come out, uh, Sparks of Hope, um, I think I'm going to give it a miss. And if I do pick it up, it will be cheaper, it will be secondhand, it will be something like that. So I just want to put that out there for anyone who wants coverage on that game if that game does end up coming out this year. And of course, I I can change my opinion. I can be like, oh, look, you know, I actually don't mind what Ubisoft are doing now, so I will support them and buy the game. Like, I don't have to stick that to that opinion forever. But yeah, I just thought that would be a good opportunity to bring that up. So... Good old Ubisoft. So yeah, Summer Game Fest. Hope it turns out to be a banger. I do not want it to be dragged on <laughs> for, for bloody ages like it was the last um, last year. 
All right, moving on. We got a new footage from a cancelled Kirby game that was originally meant to be on GameCube. And on the, uh, I guess, the GameCube, we got Kirby's Air Ride and um, stuff like that, which was, I guess, kind of like a spin-off Kirby game in some ways. But we got um, footage of, I guess, a new Kirby adventure game on the Nintendo GameCube. And looking at it, if it came out, it would have just been a typical Kirby game. It was like, it was 3D, 2D. So you're progressing through the level and, um, you know, doing your usual Kirby thing. Very similar to what probably um, Kirby Star Allies looks like on Switch. But it's just cool to see some of this video game history bubble up and, um, you know, see games that never saw the light of day. And in some ways, it is kind of cool because it it looks like looks like what you would expect Kirby to look like on the GameCube if like a mainline t- title did come out. So if you want to go and check it out, there is a, a link to a Nintendo Life article where you can go and check the video out. Looks pretty cool, but I thought I'd just bring that up in case anyone's interested. And uh, last but not least, we've got Flipnote Studio Archives, and this is launching. So this is an article from Nintendo Life, and the article reads. When the Nintendo DSi launched, it helped shake up Nintendo's approach to selling games on its portable hardware, following the lead set up by the Wii and introduction uh, of a download store. A highly popular arrival of Flipnote Studio, a free download that allowed talented users to create basic but entertaining animations and drawings. Users were then able to share creations online through Flipnote um, uh, Hatina, a website that passed 1 million users. This app and online service only lasted four years. However, due to the arrival of the 3DS and successor, uh, Flipnote Studio, the original uh, Flipnote uh, Hatina um, service was taken down. The 3D entry had a troubled internal release in Japan, though with Nintendo disabling online sharing and features after inappropriate content was dis- 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 distributed <laughs> through the app, its release in the West was extensively delayed before arriving as an offline experience. For some of the uh, for some of the peak of the concept was in its original gus on DSI, and now the wider Flipnote development community has launched Flipnote Archive and is hosting uh, an entire available DSI archive from the defunct um, uh, defunct uh, Flipnote servers. The site states that uh, for <laughs> 44 million Flipnotes and one. 1.0 million creators accounting for 12 terabytes of data. The project has been in the works for quite some time with the team having to overcome hurdles such as formatting and successfully generating the correct sound from files. The results are a lot of fun as an earlier tester uh, below um, as an earlier t- uh, taster below are some couple of funny flip notes um, that were part of the marketing promotion back in the day. So, uh, Flipnote Studio is a bit a bit nostalgic for me, having like the DSi, and it's really exciting to go onto the DSiWare shop and download some of the games that you can only get on the DSi. And uh, Flipnote Studio was a free app that you could do your own little animations and muck around with it. And, you know, it, it took your, I guess, <laughs> your ability from um, PictoChat on the DS, drawing some really nice descriptive penises and bringing them into the animation of Flipnote Studio and be able to share with them. And I'm sure that's why um, the app eventually was closed because everyone's just like, oh, look, I don't know how to draw a dog, but I do know how to draw a nice phallus. So it's kind of cool that this is being preserved and you can go and check out Flipnote Studio 
sort of creations on online now and go and check them out. I think it's uh it's pretty cool because it is one of those things where it's like it's gone. Like it's kind of similar to Meverse. I know that's been backed up by by the community as well. And you can go and check it out and just be a part of part of Nintendo history. So yeah. All right. That uh that brings us to the end of the news. Let's jump into the red coin releases and discuss some, I guess, uh, awesome games that are coming to Switch this week as well as some big sales. Alrighty. So the first game we've got here is Card Shark. You can get it for 15% off for $25.50. And the game is Enter a world where you'll need your card need to play your opponents better than, than you play your cards. Oh. Card Shark is an adventure game full of cunning, intrigue, and delectable intellect. Uh our ad our ad tonight, a un I can't even speak after talking this long. Uh, A group of scandals and rogues rumoured to possess an unlimited power uh, fund between them. If we stick to our strategies you've learnt, this will be a walkover. Learn and master new tricks. Cheek your way... Cheat your way to the top of the 18th century French society. Master uh, deceptions using card making, false shuffles, deck... Uh, switching false deals and more use your ill-gotten gains to buy your way into the closed world of high-stake tables uncover a conspiracy as you climb from the local card patriots uh, to the king's table uh, a word of advice don't get caught your fellow gamblers do not take kindly to cheats so this was this was actually a Nintendo uh, indie world presentation and it's got like a gorgeous art style where you're actually trying to, you know, cheat your way through, um, through through the game and using different strategies and stuff. And I don't know how to play a lot of these card games, so I'm actually intrigued just to you know learn some <laughs> learn some tips about playing the games. Uh, another game that came out is uh, <laughs> every time I see see this game, I just want to say slit, <laughs> but it's. Uh, Silt. <laughs> I don't know. Some something um something in my brain just does not click. But this was also in the indie world presentation that came out this week. So Silt is a surreal underwater puzzle adventure game. Alone in underwater abyss, you are the driver searching to uh searching the deep to uncover long forgotten mysteries, possess the creatures around you, and solve puzzles and travel further into the darkness. And it's very much, it's all black and white. It's kind of like if you remember the game Limbo, where it's um, pretty much just the silhouette of your character and all the enemies around you. It kind of looks like that, but underwater. And it adds to the sort of eerie sort of atmosphere of things going on. So if you do want to check that out, it's actually a pretty good sale on at the moment. It's 32% off and you can get it for $20.25, down from 30 bucks. So it's worth getting. I actually wouldn't mind giving it a go, especially that it's not $30. I think 30 bucks might... Um, put me off a little bit from trying it, but I would like to give it a go. It does have a demo, if a, a demo inter- interests you. And uh, last game that came out this week, but I'm going to be highlighting, is the Big Con, Grift of the Year Edition. And I actually don't know what this is, but it looks pretty cool. So Grift through a totally rad 90s in its all-plaid and payphone glory. Hustle your way across the 90s as a runaway teen con artist. Uh, choose how to make your scratch as you disguise... 
pickpockets and rip people off in this comedic crime-filled adventure. And it looks like a kind of like a bit of an RPG where you're sort of doing like different sort of, I guess, different ways to pickpocket people by doing different mini games and stuff. It looks pretty interesting. It's $18.75. So, yeah, publisher Mighty Yell. It's pretty cool. It's gonna. It's definitely like a game I'm going to be putting into my wish list to uh, maybe pick up on sale later down the line. But I thought I might actually bring up, there's actually a decent little sale on at the moment. So I got uh, my Switch out here and I'm going through my wish list. And a lot of the time I spend hours, <laughs> maybe like once a week, just going through the sale section on the Nintendo Switch. See what's going on, see what's worth picking up. And there's a game that uh, I really think looks awesome and i might be picking this up sooner than later uh the game's called indie apocalypse and it's 75 percent off so it's usually 20 bucks it's down to just under five bucks and it looks it's really interesting really interesting especially the life of an indie game developer and it sort of pays homage to a lot of other indie games um that have come out through different sort of uh i guess scenarios and um i guess parodies of those games and the little write-up on the eShop is experience the real life of an indie game developer. Three stories, three outcasts, three nerds, a single destiny to make the best video game ever. Indie Apocalypse uh, depicts the crude reality of indie game developers and their struggles uh, to get their shit together when it comes to releasing a video game. Uh, three misfits team up to design and produce their own indie game, uh, finding themselves in a path of chaos, self-destruction, and resentment. Uh, but there's also space for crude humor, pop culture references, uh, grucious and non-grucious vi- <laughs> uh, violence, and fear. Fear of dozens of <laughs> lawsuits for copyright infringement. Obscenity, profanity, and will also and will have to face if the game is finally published. <laughs> uh, not everything is what it seems in Indie Apocalypse, and we know for sure that no one will be left indifferent after playing it. So it actually looks pretty cool. It came out in 2020 on the on the Switch uh, in May. So that's kind of what I'm going to be picking up. It looks really good, especially for five bucks. It's kind of a no-brainer for me. So that's what I added. There's also a game called Bounty Hunter, which wait for the eShop to load on the Switch. Um, and it's an, uh, it says it's the ultimate indie fighting game. And it sort of grabbed my attention. It's it's kind of like the Smash Brothers of, of indie games. So Bounty Battle... Um, it's the ultimate indie fighting game, a new 2D fighter where you can pit yourself against your favorite indie heroes against one another. Indie heroes from games like Guacamelee, Darkest Dungeon, uh, 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 Flint, uh, Flint Hook, uh, uh, <laughs> Dead Cells, Axiom Verge, Owlboy, and more battle it out in this uh, fighter f- frenzy. Uh, Bounty, Batter, ba- Bounty Battle features 25 fighters from over 20 different indie games. Each fighter comes with their own minion <laughs> companion and unique abilities. Uh, battle across levels inspired from the fighters, native game, worlds with up to three other players. So it looks pretty cool. So you can get this game for $7.50, which is kind of a steal. So it's 80% off. It's usually like about 40 bucks. So not too bad there. So I might be picking that up. What else we got? We've got uh, Dragon's Dogma, Dark Arisen. So that's only $13. That's pretty much 70% off. Um, it's It kind of seems like there's going to be a, a sequel getting announced by Capcom soon. So I might pick that up. So yeah, there's heaps of stuff I've got just on my wish list uh, floating around. So hopefully be diving into that soon. Do I need any more games on my Switch? Absolutely not. 
but um, might get into them. So yeah, that, uh, that's our red coin releases. Let us know if you're going to be picking up anything. I'll be intrigued to see whether uh, any of those games are worth picking up. All right. So let's move into Reggie's rec room. We've got a couple of questions from our Discord and then we'll be getting out of here. Hi, Nintendo fans. Reggie here. Thank you for your never-ending support, for giving me a mushroom kingdom full of incredible memories that I will never forget. Ever. Alrighty, thank you very much for that, Reggie. It's nice to be joining you here in Reggie's rec room. And the first question that comes from Egmod in our disc or Egmond <laughs> in our uh, Discord community, and he asks, "Has being a dad changed your gaming habits significantly?" And it definitely hasn't changed uh, my gaming habits. I feel like it was sort of gaming for me was always something that was hard to sort of get time to do um, like initially anyway just with work and relationships and all of that going on and that's something that the Switch has definitely helped me with just handheld gaming in general I've always jived with it a lot more because I can pick it up um, and quickly jump into a game and put it down when I need to and um, utilize time that I might be out of the house and take the portable with me so that's always been why I really like portable gaming and it just feels cozy as well, just sitting in a chair and um, having a portable system just uh, just to immerse yourself in. It's always been something I've really liked about, about gaming, but that's why um, I really like the Switch. And yes, it's hard to like sort of sit yourself in front of the PlayStation or now come into this room and play a PC game or something. Um, but... I guess my gaming has pretty much been the same on Switch, but it has been harder to sort of get into the groove and get up into like some console gaming or some PC gaming. It's a little bit harder to really jive out the time and just get it in that way. But I think as far as I guess my my habits in general, it's, it, it is a lot harder now that I am a dad. Obviously, I, I need to spend a lot more time with, with my son and all that, which I, I really do enjoy. And especially when I get home from work and... Chantel's been with him all day. I think it's uh, you know, it's important that she doesn't go insane. So I try to do as much as I can while I'm here, while also trying to balance myself and not be insane as well. But it's it's definitely harder as far as like doing something like the podcast, for example, where you know with just Chantel, she I put put on Netflix and she's fine. She's entertained for a for half a day just watching that. <laughs> But with the kid, I, I feel guilty just, you know, coming into this room and doing a podcast where, you know, it's all put onto her shoulders if he if he's up. So that that's where I find it harder. It's definitely affected my habits as far as podcasting goes. But the Switch, it's not too bad. I can bring out the Switch. And what I typically do is I actually play the Switch OLED just um, with a pro controller. I just put it up on, like, the, the arm of the couch. And I've got to say, guys, like, I haven't talked about the Switch OLED just by itself in a long time, but after using it over the last, like, you know, few months since it came out, like, the kickstand makes all the difference for me, man. Like, it's just, you're able to stand it up just wherever you want, and the screen looks so much better. It's just, uh, it's kind of a lifesaver as far as that goes, and <laughs> with, with the Joy-Cons too, you can put the Switch down, and you're just holding on to the Joy-Con, so I'm holding on, well... <laughs> What really sort of soothes Lucas when he's upset is um, sitting on my lap and I'm bouncing on a gym ball 
and I'm holding him, but the Joy-Cons, obviously, they're separate, so I can hold them in each arm while um, Lucas sits on my lap. And I can play a game like that, and if he's like, no, I'm not happy, you've got to change something here, Dad, I can easily go to the home menu, put the like, drop the Joy-Cons and attend to Lucas. So the, the Switch makes it really easy to do that. Um, on like stuff like online gaming and that I want to get into like Halo and stuff on PC that's where it's going to be troubling because I can't actually pause that so that's going to be a lot more dedicated time and I've got my PlayStation VR set up as well and uh, completely immersing yourself in a game without vision or hearing <laughs> probably probably won't have too much time to do that either so yeah it definitely you're definitely less free but I think it just comes down to planning and that's something I need to get better at just for the podcasts, whether it's the House of Mario, Drew Story, Crack and Furfies. Just need to be better at planning and also bring uh, bring podcasts, uh, sorry, bring gaming into that as well. Be like, you know, tonight from seven o'clock when he's asleep, I'm going to do two hours of Atelier Sophie. I'm going to make sure I get through the game within two weeks, two hours a night type of thing and really sort of plan it out like that. So I think that's where I need to go. Um but yeah, it hasn't changed things too much. But going forward, when he gets more active and screaming in my ear <laughs> and trying to eat like eat my Switch when I've got it standing on the couch, that's when it's going to be a bit harder. <laughs> but thank you very much for your question, Zach. Really do appreciate it. Um, just a big shout out to Zach. Go and check out his podcast, Blonde Cartridges, on all podcast services. Him and Tam do a fantastic job over there. And uh, boys, I haven't seen a few episodes. Uh, you haven't had an episode since March. So I'm keeping an eye on you. I know what's going on. At least an episode. Come on. What's going on? Uh, last and next question is from Wacko Jacko. Love Wacko Jacko. Uh, he's got his own podcast as well. Um, uh, Splashdown Under podcast, a Splatoon podcast. He's very, very knowledgeable about Splatoon and he's um, doing like a big lead up to Splatoon 3. So if you're into, into Splatoon, go and check out his podcast on all podcast services. But he asked a question, do you think Nintendo have hit a stale point or am I just a bit impatient because all the big games aren't coming out until later this year? And first of all, yeah, well, I guess you are a bit impatient, you know, calm down. I'm sure you got a bit in your backlog. All you do is play Splatoon anyway. So, you know, you're good. Just play some Splatoon 3 and oh, Splatoon 2 until Splatoon 3 comes out and you'll be, you'll be gravy, wacko. But as far as a stale point, I think Nintendo's been in a stale point for a couple of years and I don't think it's necessarily their fault like after Animal Crossing hit in 2020 there there wasn't that much big hitters but you know looking back there was a fair bit that actually came out in 2020 from like Clubhouse Games and uh, I can't even remember at this point but there was like a Age of Calamity came out in 2020 yeah um, like there was, there was games but there was nothing like too exciting um, and 2021 I feel like was a little bit better but yeah it's a bit stale and like going this year, we've got plenty of games coming out. Like Strikers for me is a big one. I think Fire Emblem Warriors, that's an exciting title for uh, a lot of people. So, but we, we just don't have like a game to really get excited about where all of the Nintendo fan base sort of like rally around together. We're getting, we're getting lots, lots of little niches like fed. Like here's a Mario sports game and like people like me and people who really enjoyed Mario Strikers, which is... How old is that game now? <laughs> it's like 15 years old. Holy shit. Or was it 12? When it came out, was it 27? No. 2007? 2008. I can't remember. I feel like 2007. I'm just trying to remember back when I 
purchased it. I remember getting it for like hundred, like eighty bucks. It was on sale. I'm like, yeah, what a bargain. Um, but yeah, we just don't have that title which we can all sort of you know rally around together and get excited about. Like you know, Smash Brothers is out and Pokemon. You know that also has its fan base, even though it's massive. But not everybody sort of you know gets really excited for one, and there's one every year as well. So it's kind of whatever at this point. But yeah, now I can see where you're, where you're coming from. I feel like it is a bit of a stale point at the moment, regardless of you know games coming out. There's definitely enough to satisfy me. But yeah, there's there's nothing to be sort of massively excited about, and like you you think back to 2014 where like this this time we're waiting for E3 and it comes out and Nintendo's got their presentation which is all presented in like robot chicken, which was just like a really funny animation style and lots of in jokes. They understand understood their fan base. They were entertaining. They had products coming out. They were showing off Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and Super Smash Brothers uh, 4 Wii U and 3DS. And, um, you know, there's lots of stuff to be excited about. And even though, like, those games took forever to come out. So don't get me wrong. I don't want to go back to the Wii U days. But there's there's uh, it is feeling a little bit more boring at the moment. But it is what it is. I, I hope that this is only a trend sort of put into motion because of COVID. And, you know, the next few years we can sort of go, yeah, look, you know, production got slowed down and stuff. But I think, like, say in five years' time, if Nintendo is just, like, being their corporate self and just having the similar types of games, it will be concerning then. But we do have Breath of the Wild 2 coming out next year. That is going to be a massive one, um, really exciting. And we're going to have Mario games and <laughs> another Mario Kart and God knows between then and all that, so, well, not not between Zelda, I just mean within the next five years, so, I get where you're coming from, I do, but, I agree, I, I do agree, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we are impatient, we're all impatient, like, we've got plenty of games to play in our backlog, from indie games to Nintendo games, to probably games on our PlayStation, Xbox, PC, whatever platforms you own, I know I do, I could have, I could game for the rest of my life and just play what I've bought, so there's definitely that. But we're always looking for the next big thing. And at the moment, Nintendo doesn't have the next big thing um, sort of laid out. Um, but hopefully we get that um, soon, within the next couple of weeks even. But but yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel. Pretty stale, but it is what it is. Thanks for the question, Wacko. All right. So I'm losing my voice. I mean, holy shit, I've been talking for an hour and 40 minutes. So that's that. I just want to thank you all for joining me on this solo episode of the house of Mario. I really do appreciate uh, everything that uh, you guys do for us. I love doing this podcast. I think it's awesome. I think, well, I think it's awesome doing the podcast. It's up to you guys, whether you think it's awesome, <laughs> whether you get any kicks out of it or not, but it's definitely a highlight of my week. And I feel really sort of, uh, sort of sad that, um, you know, the first half of 2020 has been a bit stagnant and, a little bit hard for us in our little Nintendo show, but you know, going forward, I'm going to make sure regardless of if it's a guest Bryce or solo, we will have an episode out. Um, hopefully on the usual Tuesday for you guys to tune into. And I, I, I just want to emphasize again. I appreciate every, everything you guys do for us, whether it is leave us a, a review on a podcast service, download the show, listen to the show, interact with us. And um, it, it, it makes my day. It really does. I got a, a message on Instagram actually, and I don't check my Instagram um, stories or messages that often. And I got a message from 
uh, a nice young man named Colin, and he basically said, "Look, I, I love the show, and you know, good on you." And he said, "Yeah, actually, he said I'll, I'll like to come on as a, a co-host one day." I'm like, "Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to talk to you." And you know, the doors are open. I'd love to talk to you guys about uh, a Nintendo topic or game or whatever you guys like to talk about. Please reach out to me at Twitter. Um, at Twitter, um, on Twitter or Instagram at iDruby. I'm, I'm always open for a chat. If you guys enjoy the show and jive with what we have to say, please, I would love to discuss with you. And if you would like to be on a podcast, regardless of you have, if you have experience um, or, or any of that, please come on. Like I, the doors are always open. This is, this is a podcast for you guys. Um, and I really want to put emphasis on building a community around it and, um, just uh, you know, growing it because the last few years have been like a bit a bit stagnant in numbers, and I think um, this year as well has been just tough, just uh, with our schedule. But going on, I want to I want to push it. I really do want to make this this something. And if you listen to any of the sort of more recent episodes all the way through, I've got credits at the end, basically saying that um, what what my dream is is to make not to make this a full-time job or anything like that or content creation as a main-time job, but I would love to, you know, justify being like, all right, I am working four days a week and then the fifth day is is another day of work, but it's all podcast related. It's all content creation related. And it's all about making uh, content and forming a community around, uh, around Nintendo and video games and everything we love and seeing the work that, you know, Sean Capri and the guys and girls over at um, Carpool Gaming have done, it's been really inspiring um, for that as well. Um, and I would love to you know, do something that, uh, you know, benefits you guys and push myself as a person to keep making making podcasts because I, I love this stuff, man. I love it. I, I, f- I fell in love with podcasting sort of after starting it because of my passion for Nintendo. But now I've got a passion just for podcasting, just for sharing thoughts and listening to other people's thoughts on their shows. And um, I think it's a, just an amazing medium. And I'm sure if you got this far in just like a solo episode with me, you probably agree. So <laughs> just a, no, a big thank you to you guys. So definitely join our Discord community. I'd love to hear from you. If you don't want to join Discord or whatever, I'm on social media. Send me a message. Tell me how you're going, what you think of the show, any, uh, I guess, uh, feedback or critical thinking you would like to put in there. I'm always open to change and all that as well. If there's something you don't like, but of, of course, if I think you're wrong, I'll, I just won't do anything about it. <laughs> and uh, check out the other feed as well, Encore at the House of Mario. Put that in your podcast player where we sort of do solo episodes, guest episodes, video game reviews, and a lot of other stuff we're going to be experimental with over there. And to uh, to know you got this far, we're going to introduce the, the hashtags back. And because of the Mario Strikers sort of uh, sort of ordeal, I'm going to be putting up that post on Twitter with that uh, that clip of uh, basically calling out the other Nintendo podcasters, saying we're going to beat their clubs and Mario Strikers. Um, I'm going to put that up with the, the hashtag FOM Slappers Club. So T-H-O-M Slappers Club. So let me know that you got to the end of this episode by letting me know what you, you thought about the discussions, any of the topics I talked about with the hashtag FOM Slappers Club on Twitter. So guys, that brings us to the end. So thank you very much for listening. This is a house, but you guys make it at home. You really do. 
And until then, the doors to this episode are closed. I'll catch you later. The House of Mario, a Nintendo podcast, is lovingly crafted and recorded in the southeast of South Australia. The show is produced and hosted by me, Drew Agnew, and my co-host is Bryce DeWitt. If you enjoy my work here and on my other podcasts, Encore at the House of Mario, A Drew Story, and Crackin' Furfies, help spread the word by sharing us with a mate or leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you would like to show further support and help me achieve my goal of freeing up one working day a week to spend more time refining and creating podcasts, please consider checking out patreon.com slash idruby where for only $1 you get access to my secret recordings where I share everything behind the scenes. A big thank you to the legend DJ for supporting the content at the podcast producer level on Patreon. From the bottom of my heart, thank you.